Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast, and I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on. This podcast is really about living in the beautiful sunlight that we get kind of rarely here in the Pacific Northwest, and ways to be smarter about sun and how we consume it. There's no question that what we do with our children and how we support them as teens changes their lifetime risks of skin cancer, but also their lifetime risks of understanding how to care for their skin and the outcomes of what they do in children. We get the majority of our sun exposure and often our sun burns during childhood. So as parents, we have this kind of premier opportunity to improve our kids' safety. And I'll be really clear and very personal about this. I've had two diagnoses of malignant melanoma, and because of that, um, as a skin cancer survivor, I feel passionately about helping you get the right data so that your kids, and hopefully you, don't have experiences like I've had. So first and foremost, we know that UV sun exposure and UV light that can come from indoor tanning or light machines is the number one preventable cause of skin cancer. Meaning if you get rid of excess exposure to UV radiation on your kid's skin and on your own skin, you'll really decrease the likelihood of having a mole in your life turn into skin cancer or developing or growing a skin cancer later on. And in the last number of decades, there's been a dramatic uptick in the number of diagnoses of skin cancer, particularly in young Caucasian women. And so there are really multiple campaigns and even legislation in place to try to make this better. So for example, as, as many of you know, even uh, kind of banning and outlawing tanning and indoor tanning to girls and boys under the age of 18 has gone across many states and includes even in Washington state. And the goal there was really like these kids are just going in without permission from their parents and their parents' knowledge and getting indoor tanning and really increasing the likelihood and risks of skin cancer later in their life. Indoor tanning, though, we're having some benefits in that we are seeing a decrease in the amount of high school students using tanning beds or indoor tanning. So back in 2009, about 15% of teens were saying that they had used indoor tanners. And now in 2015, only about 7%, which is awesome. I mean, so I think some of the public education campaigns and parents getting involved and saying, this isn't good for you, and you can spray tan before you should go and get UV radiation, um, is is working. But it certainly is, is uh, still a call to action in that we know there's this strong evidence of the correlation between indoor tanning and the incidence of skin cancers and even non-melanoma skin cancers. So, um, you know, risk for kids is highest when it comes to skin cancer for those who start tanning early in their life um, so that the longer you can wait and protection can be in place, the better. And this has been ongoing for years in that in 2014, the Surgeon General's report on ways to reduce skin cancer, one of the five premier goals was really reducing indoor tanning use. Um, you know, and I think just knowing that um, indoor tanning isn't a protection. So there's this kind of fallacy that, like, if you're going to go on vacation and you live in, you know, Minnesota or <laughs> Pacific Northwest and all of a sudden you're going to go to the Caribbean, that pre-vacation tan doesn't protect you. So anytime your skin changes color, it's boosting the number of what are called melanocytes, the cells that make color in your skin, in some ways to try to protect your skin. But we know that those who use indoor tanning tend to do two things. They get burns or significant exposure in indoor tanning. And then secondarily, it's a false sense of security. So once they land in Hawaii or land in the Caribbean, they go out without sun protection and then get more sun exposure and more sunburn. So that pre-vacation tan isn't a safety. 
And, you know, the other thing about teens in indoor tanning is that three-quarters of the teens who have done indoor tanning have also reported that they've gotten the sunburn there. And we know that sunburns during the teen years in particular are a strong predictor of a later development of skin cancer. Okay, so in addition to thinking about reducing indoor tanning use, which we don't ever want a teen to do, and we don't ever want an adult to do, you can get vitamin D um, from your oral diet or from supplements, and you can get color change on your skin from a spray tan. So there's really no reason to go do this indoor tanning. But, you know, I think the other things to really think about is why and how do we protect young kids and school-age kids from sun exposure? So, again, some statistics suggest that about 80% of our significant sun exposure happens in the first 18 to 20 years of our life, meaning that if you're looking at your lifetime risk and the lifetime changes to your skin, it's really these early years where a parent can be involved that can change the game. So UV exposure, what is that? Well, UV radiation is ultraviolet light that really comes from the sun, and that radiation can be damaging to skin cells. And what that means is that there are these cells in the outer layers of your skin and in the deeper layers of your skin that once exposed to UV radiation from the sun, UV a and UVB rays, those DNA inside those cells can get mutations. When they get mutations, they later can develop things like cancer or abnormal growths. So you just want to protect yourself from that radiation. Now, you can't protect yourself entirely from that radiation. So, you know, anytime you're out and about in the world, you'll get exposure to it. But if you can ever protect your skin when you're out and about, you'll decrease the amount of that radiation. Two things to know about UV radiation. So there are two kinds. There's UVA radiation and UVB. UVA radiation, an easy way to remember it is it causes aging to the skin, that A, whereas UVB causes burning to the skin. Now, what that means is the UVA radiation lights comes in, damages the skin, and changes the elasticity of the deeper layers of your skin, meaning that if you get a ton of UVA exposure in your teen years, in your young adult years, or even in your adult years, you will just wrinkle more. Basically, the elastic character in your skin is damaged, it weakens, and lets go, so you're going to be wrinklier. So like those people that you know that have grown up in really sunny climates that have kind of that leathery, really lined skin later in life, it's part because of that UVA radiation has damaged the underpinnings of their lower skin. UVB radiation causes burning. So when you're blocking UVB rays, you block the kind of surface levels of your skin's changes so that when you get a lot of UVB exposure, your skin will get red and inflamed and irritated and actually develop a sunburn. And when you're looking at sunscreen and the products on the market that talk about protection, the SPF, that sun protection factor, it's only talking about protection against UVB. So that's why when you're picking out products, you want to pick this broad spectrum coverage that covers both UVA and UVB. But just know when you're picking a sunscreen and you're looking in that SPF, like if it's, you know, 30 or 40 or 60 or even a lower one like 15, it's only talking about the protection against UVB. Thankfully, most of the products on the market these days are broad spectrum coverage, and they do cover both UVA and UVB. But you always want to look for that when you're buying a product, and ultimately, too, when you're buying clothing or hats or shade that are kind of UV protection that way. So a couple of things for you to think about, ways, I think, and tips just to close this out on protecting your kids from the sun. The call to action, right, is we want to decrease the aging of our kids' skin. We want to decrease the likelihood of their development of skin cancer later in life. And we know a huge majority of their exposures happen in childhood. Most sunburns happen in the teen years, right? It's not parents screwing it up when their kids are really little and, you know, getting a, a sun exposure that way. The kind of blistering, damaging sunburns that really increase the likelihood of developing skin cancer later in life. I mean, one severe 
burn, like a blistering burn, one severe burn like that in your life doubles your risk of malignant melanoma later in life. So those are real, but they tend to happen in the in the teen years. So a couple of things, just protecting your kids from the sun and from UV radiation. Number one, don't get caught up in the myth that you have to have sun exposure to have vitamin D in your life. We want kids of all ages to take supplemental vitamin D, somewhere between 400 and 600 international units every single day. Part of that is because we also want you to protect them from UV radiation. So you get vitamin D development in your body based on sunlight, but you don't need it from sunlight. You can eat it. So don't buy into that fallacy that you need sun exposure for vitamin D. The data is not there to support that. So just know that from the beginning. From the very beginning as well as a, being a parent, Think about, of course, shade and protecting your kids as babies. Most parents don't like to use sunscreen under the age of six months, and often they don't really have to. You can cover your kid with shade. You can cover them with hats and long sleeve clothing. And then really thinking about the combination of using shade, staying out in the middle of the day, and then also using UVA and UVB broad spectrum sunscreen. When choosing a sunscreen, you're making sure that you're buying broad-spectrum sunscreen that covers UVA and UVB, and you want to choose an SPF over 30. You don't need 120, though. There's really You get about 97 protection of UVB rays from SPF 30 and above, so you don't have to go banana brains and get the super high one. Just get an SPF of 30. You want to make sure that you choose one that you like. The best sunscreen is the one that's applied before you're in the sun, and it's repeatedly applied often while you're in the sun. The sun. So if you love the sprays or you love the sticks or you love the gel or you love whatever you like and works for your family, I'm going to tell you that I endorse that. There are concerns about spray sunscreens, about inhalational risks. So be smart about using those spray sunscreens. They're awesome for your kids' arms and legs and, and reapplication when you're on the beach and it's not too windy. And then, you know, rubbing it in with your hand, I think, thereafter. But avoid ever spraying it directly in your child's face and try to have them hold their breath or cover their face when you're actually spraying it on their body. Make sure you're reapplying sunscreen after an hour or two, particularly if you're in the water. We know that the duration of sunscreen is really important. And most bottles now, because of new FDA requirements, require them to say how long they last. So most sunscreen containers will say, oh, this is a broad spectrum. It lasts for 80 minutes. Making sure that you're reapplying is, of course, really important. And then lastly, just if you're one of those people, which most of us are, are thinking about exposures to chemicals, I really like to continue to drive parents to use what are called physical sunscreen screen ingredients, meaning when you're basically putting micro ingredients or micro metals on the top of your skin, they're not getting absorbed and they just create a barrier. So those sunscreens that typically have zinc or titanium dioxide or avobenzene, benzone, excuse me, those are the physical barriers rather than the chemical ones. And those are ones that are less likely to be absorbed in the skin. We know kids' skin is actually more fragile in the early part of their life, particularly in the first two years, and it's thinner and it does absorb more than older skin. So particularly in young kids, I'd really work, and I think it can be worth your money in some ways, to pay for ingredients that are just these physical barriers. But no question, you getting that sunscreen using hats, and no question that I think the easiest way to protect our kids' skin are those UV clothes. So those long sleeve shirts and then using, you know, longer shorts for boys and then really applying the sunscreen on areas of the skin where you can't use the clothes or the shade in those other ways. All right.
Don't do the indoor tanning, particularly around prom season. Check in with girls particularly and boys in your life, encouraging them to get a spray tan. And frankly, parents pay for a spray tan before they use their own money to go and do indoor tanning. We know exposures to indoor tanning early and often do increase the risk of sun cancer. We know three quarters of teens who use indoor tanning do get a burn, and that does increase risks later on. And tell teens about it. It wrinkles their skin. They're going to look older earlier if they're using all those indoor tanning and having those exposures early. Shade is your friend staying out in the middle of the day when you can. And if you are out in the middle of the day using hats, UV clothing, and SPF 30 or above broad spectrum sunscreen. I hope this helps. Reality is parenting is a high stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 